Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture. From the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Tuesday episode Woo! Tuesday. We've got a hot one for you because we've got a king with us today. We have the one and only Danny Pellegrino joining us to celebrate the release of his book, The Jolliest Bunch Unhinged Holiday Stories, which is Unhinged Holiday Stories, which is out in bookshops today. Get a copy right now, you guys. Britney Spears be damned. She will wait. Danny must be on your shelves. Or go hog wild. Get both books. This is a celebration of reading, and Danny is ushering that in for us. I truly think Danny is a master at podcasting, obviously, but what I love is his foray into... uh, into into writing like he's just a damn good writer uh how do i unremember this his first collection of stories and essays which were just amazing i thought that was amazing and i thought this was just as good and it just put me in a good mood and we need more of those things these days don't we i mean i am in such a pissy mood right now folks i gotta tell you i gotta be honest with you i am not in a good place today i'm just gonna tell you so skip right to danny pellegrino i'll put the timestamp. but if you wanna if you wanna listen to me moan for like five minutes um, feel free. Uh, did you know some sons of always in a jacuzzi with a coach? You know that? <laughs> this is just me moaning. Uh, uh. Anyways, Danny Pellegrino, he's here to cheer us all up. I was just listening to some of the interview and he just makes me happy. He makes a lot of us happy. And I think that is just so important. How the heck are you guys? Are you in as pissy of a mood as I am? I don't even usually say pissy in my everyday life. And now I'm here going, I feel pissy. I just feel pissy, man. I feel pissy. I feel sad. I feel bummed. I feel angry. I feel all those, the negative emotions, the grumpy, the side to Silva of emotions. That's what I'm feeling right now. And I can't seem to shake it for the life of me. And it is so flipping frustrating. Do any of you, can I get an amen? (laughs) Can I get an amen? Um, (laughs) If you like this podcast, He's rated five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Woo! Remember, I'm doing a uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills celebration of the premiere episode this Thursday. It premieres on Wednesday, but me and Sarah Galley, uh, her podcast, Andy's Girls, she is doing an online show, and uh, she was nice enough to invite me to do it. Crystal Kung Minkoff, one of the Housewives of Beverly Hills, will be joining us, and you can get tickets at moment.co forward slash Andy's Girls, and uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun, and I promise to be in a better mood before 
your Thursday, because my goodness, I am just a bump on a log. I feel like the Hamburglar right now. Even the Hamburglar from McDonald's was way, he seemed way more happy because he was like stealing hamburgers. I'm just like a grump. I'm like Oscar the Grouch. My God, I'm trying to think of just all puppets that I remind myself of right now. <sighs> oh, also, I wanted to let you know, you know how I was on Watch What Crappens on Friday with Ronnie. I woke up to a great text message today. Uh, Ronnie texted me and said, Hey, you got me excited about BravoCon. I'm going to get a ticket and come. So f- ladies and gentlemen, Ronnie Karam will now be at BravoCon. So we do, it's, it's the small things in life. We've got to look at the, I've got to remind myself of how many good things there are to look forward to. So we'll be all partying with Ronnie at, uh, BravoCon next week. That's exciting. Got to remind myself of that. So, um, listen, uh, you know, there's there's pop culture stories right now. There's plenty of time to go into all of those this week. Um, I'm trying to think of the ones that popped up today. It seemed a relatively quiet day in terms of pop culture. Um, nothing, I mean, there are things to talk about, but I just am not in the mood. Um, I worked a lot today, um, and that was great. It was fine. I can do that kind of stuff, but other than that, it was just... You know, we talked about that concept of emotional Spanx, wearing your emotional Spanx on Friday during the Salt Lake recap, is that sometimes I just try to like cram it all into these emotional Spanx. And then I find it kind of like, you know, popping out through my emotional Spanx. And I get frustrated because I want to be, um, I want to be okay. I want to be better. I want to... I feel bad for the people that have to deal with me sometimes uh, when I'm like this. And I was texting with my dad and uh, I was just like, hey, I just, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling good today. And he was like, about mom? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, about mom. He's like, oh, I feel you. I feel you. This weekend, you know, and we were commiserating, uh, I guess, showing our war wounds to each other. And it's hard, man. I, and I realized as... Uh, you know, I will say I read Danny's book and it kind of cheered me up in a sense. I thought it was going to make me all sad uh, because one of the first stories, which is a great story, is has his mom as a lead character. And it's just so it's such a great story. You can completely visualize this story that he writes that really happened. But I was just thinking about the holidays and thinking about my mom and thinking about her not being there. I know this is way too intense for the top of the show, but listen, I'm, I share... Uh, I share this for better or worse, but I know it can be a bummer. So like I said, skip ahead. Um, I think those are the things as the weather gets colder, I'm still in New York. And as the weather gets colder, you just get kind of, you just get sadder about things. And I know a lot of you guys have been through this or, you know, are going through this, but it's weird like that. The weather can sometimes change your emotions. And I, I wish like, sometimes I feel like I'm on the verge of crying and then I don't stifle that, but it kind of just bottles up. And uh, that can be really hard because I sometimes don't even know how to say how I'm feeling. Like I don't have the vocabulary. Like I know I feel bad. I know I feel bad, but I don't know how to specify. I don't know how to say, well, I mean, I know the overarching thing, but there's nothing that I can do about that. And I guess the only thing is you just hope to fall asleep and wake up and, and your body chemistry allows you 
to uh, to see things in a little bit more of a positive way. But like yesterday, I came on here and was like, "Yay, we're you know, oh, we're starting a new another week, woo!" And then I was like, "By Wednesday, we'll forget all of that." And I'm like, "Oh, great! I couldn't even make it a whole day of being positive. I just felt bad, and it just it stayed there. It just stayed within me. It's still there right now. I mean, it feels good to talk to you guys. Like I can talk to." I can talk to people on the podcast. It's very hard for me to talk to people in my actual life. Um, it's such a weird thing. I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with that. Um, I don't really know. I don't have words, but I just wanted to be honest with you because I just don't have the energy to uh, do a song and dance and, and talk about uh, the pop culture. But what's so great is this interview with Danny was two weeks ago almost. It was like a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks. And I held it to put out on his book premiere day, which is so damn exciting. And I'm so thrilled for this guy. You know, he's always somebody that I look up to. There's so many great people to look up to in this community. And he's just so funny. And he, you know, uh, hearing how you guys talk to him, how much you love him, how much people love him. And it just really, um, you know, he means a lot to me as well. I, I, I know why everybody loves him as much as they do, but it also gives you, you know, he inspires me, Uh, you know, he inspires me like the possibilities about being able to share your story about being able to love these things, which is like the over, you know, that is such a thesis statement for this podcast. It's called so bad. It's good, but it's about these things that we love. It's these things that we love. And Danny is that guy that's like us that loved all of these things that pop culture left an indelible mark. You know, like you can see those things seared into his brain from things that he collects, things that he loves, songs that he loves, J.C. Chazé, all of that stuff. And it's great because I think a lot of us felt like outsiders at one point. We all felt like we're like potentially the weird kid. And then we grow up and you're like, listen, we can band together and we can form a pop culture army. There's nothing to be ashamed of here. In fact, this is this is pure love. You know, we're all on the same page together. And that's why I'm saying Danny's actually going to be at BravoCon. Ronnie's going to be at BravoCon. I'm going to be at BravoCon. Are you going to be at BravoCon? We can all just have fun together and, 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 and make fun of these silly reality stars uh, together as a weird messed up family. <laughs> so also I wanted to announce the first four people that email me at so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com. Uh, I will be purchasing a copy of Danny's book to send to you. Uh, you could do me a favor and, and, and make sure you've rated my podcast five stars. That's a nice favor, but email me and put in the subject line, uh, Danny Pellegrino. And the first four people that do that, I will be sending a copy. Uh, I will be purchasing a copy. <laughs> I'll be purchasing a copy to uh, to send to four of you guys because I just wanted to support Danny, and I think this book deserves to be celebrated, and I think it can add to uh, your holiday spirit. I really do, and and I think that's with thinking about my mom so much today. I was just thinking about like I gotta really go hard about finding those holiday finding the holiday spirit within myself. My mom loved the holidays. She got so upset last Thanksgiving because I said a comment on the podcast that it maybe or the Patreon that I I said, it looks like Thanksgiving threw up all around this place because she had decorations for every holiday. Halloween, she had tons of Halloween decorations. Thanksgiving, she had Thanksgiving directions, uh, decorations. Christmas, she had Christmas decorations. 
uh, uh, flag day. No, <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? She had a box for every holiday and, uh, Christmas is coming up and I just keep thinking about that. But I think, you know, like let's go towards what I love about the holidays. Let's like look to the people that make you appreciate the holidays. And Danny and his book really made me appreciate the holidays and gave me a little hope that, uh, obviously life goes on, duh, but that, uh, we can celebrate this. We can celebrate my mom. I can honor my mom this holiday season. Um, and, and, and life keeps going, even if we sometimes don't feel it right. You know, a lot of us, sometimes we just don't feel it. We don't feel it. And I think I've beat myself up all day because I didn't know, uh, I didn't know why I couldn't snap out of it. And that's like really frustrating for me, especially if you're working at something that you love, you know, cause I always say, oh, I feel so lucky doing this and I do. And then you just feel doubly bad. Cause you're like, you dipshit, your podcast hit the top 10 and you were happy about it. And yeah, you were happy for all of like 10 minutes. And then it just went south. And I sometimes just don't know why. And that's where therapy uh, comes in play. That's where medicine comes in play and all of those things. Um, But I just wanted to let you guys know that because I know I get still a lot of messages about how I'm doing or, oh my God, you're doing so well. And I just wanted to let you know, yeah, sometimes I'm doing so well. And sometimes I am definitely not doing well. and uh, I'm definitely not doing well. And that's, that's how today feels. But there's always hope around the corner. There's always something good. There's always something to make you laugh. And that is what this gentleman means to all of us. Uh, Danny Pellegrino, you need to order his book today. Also, he is live on tour right now. In fact, I think he's going to be in New York tonight, my buddy Samaj said, which I should just go and see his show if I'm here, but I didn't even really, I didn't even think I was still going to be here. I got to stay. I'm doing this interview on Wednesday and then, I don't know, everything's just kind of crazy, which is fine. I think, I think, I don't know if stability would really super help me, right? Oh, goodness. I like when I just ramble. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. So uh, Danny Pellegrino, go out and support. I do want to let you know that this was a very so bad it's good interview in that the first seven minutes I had to cut a bunch of stuff out because the Wi-Fi, one of our Wi-Fis was completely messed up. We had to switch to a different audio program and we still got to do like an hour interview uh, all pieced together. But just know there's a leap in the seven, there's a bunch of cuts in the first seven minutes and then we had to switch over, which poor Danny, it was just a mess. And we were doing this at like 9 a.m., which was so early, I'm sure for both of us. Uh, but I think this is still a great interview. Also, there's another cut later on in the interview that has to do with BravoCon, and I will share with you what that cut is once uh, once it gets announced. But uh, I'm so excited for BravoCon and excited to see some of you guys. But without further ado, I'm more excited about this guy, Danny Pellegrino, and his book, the Jolliest Bunch, which you can order now on Amazon or just go to a brick and mortar store and get a copy. Do it. Do it and do it today. Here he is, Danny Pellegrino. If you're a wine lover like me, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your unique preferences. To start, 
All you had to do is answer a few quick questions on their website about what flavors that I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé, or a combination. Now, based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored. You guys, I have to tell you, I got a free shipment with them, but I kept my membership going because I liked it so much. I swear to God, I got this great Sangiovese. I got a Malbec. Uh, I did get a Rosé as well because I have a combination and I am loving it. Best of all, I get to choose when I want my box delivered and how often I get new assortments of wine. Being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has its perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order, so you can continue to order the ones that you love. So, join the club today with me and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash so good. Tryfirstleaf.com slash so good. Elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket, and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the must-haves, like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, iconic 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow-knit activewear. With all Quince items, everything is priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. How do you not love that? So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping and 365-day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Did you know Zanny Pellegrino had a holiday book in a GPC? I can't believe that. You guys, today is like Christmas for me because I get to have one of my favorite people, a person that inspires me, not only in pop culture, but in terms of podcasting, in terms of fashion, in terms of how he writes a book. He has his second book out that is hitting the stands October 24th. And you guys, if you want to get into the holiday spirit, you can do it right now with this book. I told you this week how much I was loving this, how much it made me feel good inside. Everything that this uh-huh. person does kind of makes you feel good inside anyways. I'm telling you, I can see your holiday setup and this book being front and center. It is called The Jolliest Bunch Unhinged Holiday Stories. And it is. It is unhinged holiday stories in the best. It reminds me of my mom. It reminds me of my family. Uh-huh. It reminds me of holidays in Kansas. It reminds me of what we look forward to and all of the insanity that goes in into these holiday seasons. And this man makes me appreciate not only Christmas, he makes me appreciate Halloween. He makes me appreciate the movie now and then. He makes me appreciate, yeah. This is already the best intro I've ever had before in my whole life. No, I love it. I love it. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's really the best thing. (laughs) Wait, don't don't ruin it. They don't know it's you, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) They don't know it's you. No. Anyways, guys, he's the one, the only, 
Danny Pellegrino. Danny, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. And I was telling you before we started recording, I almost wore the same uh, Barbie sweatshirt you're wearing. I wish I would have uh, put it on because we would have been twinning completely. I, <laughs> we would have been kinning. Um, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm wearing the Barbie sweatshirt. You are a person that would buy this kin sweatshirt. Like I would, I mean, and it makes you, it makes me happy that I bought this. I mean, it it's makes so you cozy. happy when you are able to have something tangible from a pop culture moment. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's very cozy. Unfortunately, uh, it did take a little while for it to arrive for me. I don't know if it, it was the case for you. I ordered it and then it was like months before I got it, but eventually it came and, uh, yeah. I love a pop culture moment. I'm in my office right now, and there's like yeah. a million. I just got McNugget Buddies. Do you remember those? Yeah, the of course McDonald's I do. Happy I have the Meal Batman. Uh, oh, my God. There they are. I have all the uh, glasses from the Batman Forever McDonald's promotion. I love those. I keep wanting to oh, buy no, the Hercules it, oh, no, plates. The, do you remember those? Yeah, of course. I remember you have the Rosie O'Donnell doll, don't you? I, sh- I sure do. I have multiple Rosie O'Dolls. I have um, the Rosie O'Doll, the plush one, and then I also have the Rosie O'Donnell Barbie. Okay, so we were talking about uh, holiday collections. You've always appreciated them. And these are such easily digestible stories. And I love that you thought even of people like David Sedaris, because that's what I was thinking of when I was reading this. I was like, Danny is our David Sedaris. He's oh our God, pop you're culture too sweet. David Sedaris. Thank I mean, you so much. I really wanted, uh, how do I unremember this? And now the Jolliest Bunch. I wanted it to be my version of a David Sedaris book. Of course, I was raised on those yeah. essay collections, but there's even things like Gene Shepard has a holiday collection that was oh. what the Christmas story was based on, the movie. And so I love the idea of having something seasonal that people could pick up, hopefully, in uh, years to come. But then also, I think the holiday season is a tough time. I wanted it to be something people could pick up now. And enjoy and relax and find something silly. They're all silly stories. And there's a couple more dramatic heartfelt moments throughout too, but yeah. it really is meant to make people smile and feel that kind of warm and fuzzy feeling. Yeah. And it did. I mean, that was the thing I, I was like, you know, those things that come, uh, and this is why I love pop culture myself is those things when you're not feeling good, you can rely on them or they can lift you up. And I was sitting there reading that story about your cross country trip with your new friend who offered you uh, uh, meats out of her purse. And I was like, <laughs> no effing way. This Like, you got to read. That. I don't want to give this story away. But at one point, he goes into like a 7-Eleven and she like starts like stuffing stuff into his pocket, he thinks, like to steal. He's like, don't say anything. Just get back in the car. And I loved it. And it reminded me, I was like, wait, this is going to be a movie. This is Planes, Trains, oh. and Automobiles, Danny's version. Like, this is Thank great. You. Thank you. I mean, that would be a dream come true. But what I found in writing the stories was that the truth is so much stranger than fiction with all of them. And they're very much like slice of life stories. So they're just kind of everyday scenarios that are um, are heightened because I think life tends to heighten things. And I, I really think life is more cartoonish than we realize oftentimes. And so going back and writing the stories, I was even worried myself writing the stories. Like, am I over-exaggerating? And of course I tried to change the names and certain details to protect people and not, not give away too much. But what I found in the last book and now as people are starting to read The Jolliest Bunch is that the people who are involved in the stories are actually telling me that they're even more crazy than I'm writing about. Like they're telling me details that I even <laughs> forgot that are crazier. And so I think, uh, yeah, the that's what I'm finding is even those stories that I think are 
so outlandish. And I'm like, people are going to think that I'm either completely making this up or crazy. And then I'm hearing from people who are involved in the story saying, no, actually you forgot this detail. Or my brother's texting me being like, oh my God, you forgot when this happened. And so they, <laughs> they're crazy. They're crazy <laughs> stories. Anyway. Um, no, I mean, it really, I did. I will say there were a couple of times that like, I was like, there's no way this happened. And then I would remind myself, I was like, wait a sec. Like you watched your dad shit himself on Christmas one year. Of course these things happen. Of course this okay. happens. You know, Ryan, first of all, I need you to tell me that story about your dad shitting on, <laughs> on his pants. But, but that's the thing too, is everyone, especially around the holidays, I think everyone has these sort of family stories that they, the cocktail party stories they tell or the family stories they retell around the Thanksgiving table. And so everyone I'm finding too are is tell everyone is telling me their own family stories and they're crazy. Like everybody's story yeah. is crazy. So I want to hear that story about your dad shitting himself, <laughs> but they're crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're like, well, listen, my, you know, my dad, well, this is very reminiscent of your mom. Like the first story you started us out with in the book, you know, is like your mom prepping this, this meal. And like, she like kind of bursts, but it's like my dad, my mom would always do that thing where she would be like Christmas Eve dinner would be at our place. And it would be all of these things. And she would tell me for a month, what she was going to do the shrimp. And then I'm going to go to Costco and I'm getting this, but I'm also trying out this new recipe that involves asparagus. And it would all be this thing. <laughs> and my dad would say like, he would start around like noon and he'd be like watching my mom work and he'd be like, well, it's five o'clock somewhere and start in on the Jamesons. And, you know, it would just, and then by the time we sit down to the dinner, he's literally sick, you know, he's, you know, soiled himself in so many ways. And he's like, you've ruined it. You've ruined it, Bill. You've ruined it again. And it made, there's like this wonderful thing in this book of you going out to your mom who's in the car and she's like, I'm going to the corner, Dan. I'm going to the corner. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I could see it so perfectly. I could see our moms are out there busting their ass to make this vision in their head that they have built up for their family. And it's just so extreme, so much pressure on one day. And I love the thought of little Danny going out to the car of like, can I go? Can I go for you, mom? Yeah, my mom would always still to this day, she'll have a little a little mini meltdown on Christmas Eve. And I get it because she's the one really keeping everything organized and she's the spearheading the entire holiday. And I think that is different for every family. Sometimes maybe it's the dad or the uncle or somebody is spearheading the holiday. And for me, that's my mom. And so she tries so hard to make it look like the Brady Bunch Christmas or the perfect holiday. And it never is. And the more I think anyone tries to make something perfect, the more crazy it's going to end up being, or the more unhinged it's going to be yeah. in the outcome. And so yeah, I, I think there's always someone in a family, whether in these stories, they're holiday stories, but in the non-religious sense. And I think if you look at whoever in your family kind of spearheads the family functions, there's always usually one person at least trying to keep it together, but they're never able to. I think what we all love about you, too, is your detail work, you know, is your... You know, is that like, oh, even like, oh, I was stealing liquor from my parents' cabinet and it was like the green liquor that we all, there was always some mysterious green liquor in there that you could get your hands on. And you thought you were so adult and you were like, you know, I'm there with my MTV passing out candy to trick-or-treaters. And I just, those are those, those specificities pull us right in. And it's like, that's what okay. I love about your books, especially is that you spurn our own memories. You, you know, you. you like we appreciate it from this different angle of like, what was my green liquor? Where was my parents' uh, liquor cabinet? What was I watching when I felt freedom when they were away? And it made you know, like th these oh. moments. Um, when yeah, you hopefully they in... take you back. I remember actually, I learned later on that my mom 
for the my parents' liquor cabinet when I was a teen, she would mark the bottle with a magic marker. <laughs> so she, then she would know if her and my dad went out or something, she would know if my brothers or or if I had any of the alcohol because the line would be different. And one time I remember my brother had actually, he had drank it, but then he like put more in the bottle. So then it was like the the out or the level of liquid was higher than my mom's line. And so it was like more alcohol anyway. Yeah. I, I stole one of my mom's Zimas one time when she, she drank Zimas back in the day and it was a big family meeting of who stole the Zima. And I knew it was me. And I, I was like, I did not take that Zima. And I knew exactly where the empty bottle was. It was hidden in my penny drawer. Like I had a big penny can that I hid the Zima bottle in, but I still remember that. And I was thinking about those memories and I was like, how exciting for people to get to read this book around this time of year and get to like think about their own memories and appreciate it from this different angle because some of these stories are horrifying. Yet I think when you start to remember these details, Danny, when you're writing this, what was that process in terms of like, were you like, this is hysterical? What's what's your relationship to these stories now? I love them. You know, I I like looking around at the chaos around me. I think I'm a very observant person, and I've always been someone who's journaled, and so I, I tend to keep a running a running journal my whole life. So I can look back on certain times and see some of the specifics that I might've missed uh, when I'm trying to recall them in my head. But I I love the chaos and I love a, a quirky character. So when I am in, in a place that's crowded or something, I, I will immediately kind of buddy up to the quirkiest person, whatever that means is like, whatever the craziest kind of person I see is, I, I will go and try to find them. And uh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I like taking what I realized that the writing process for both of the books was like taking a little nugget or a little moment. So in the first book, the example I could give is like going to the dry cleaner where it's just a story about going to a dry cleaner. But then as it unfolds, you start to see the bigger picture of the, the craziness. So I like taking a little kind of strange everyday thing and then seeing what was going on around that. And then I also found that some of these little moments had bigger emotion attached to them than I realized. So some, certain stories might have started as like a, a family story about my mom trying to put together a Christmas Eve party. And then when I take a bigger step away from it in the writing process, I realized something about my relationship with my mother or something about my parents' relationship dynamic between the, the two of them that might be a little deeper that I wasn't expecting. And so that part is really fun. What's it like to finish this and have... uh your mom read this, like what's been her reaction to this? You know, after the first book, I think she thought she's a star now. And so she was really concerned <laughs> reading the first book. And she was so worried when she got the first book because she didn't know how her friends were going to react. And then her friends told her that the stories about her in the first book were funny and they, she liked them and stuff. So then now for this one, she's a little easier going. And so she's been super supportive of of this one and excited, I think, for people to read it because now she thinks she's a star. And I'm going on tour and at the Cleveland event uh, at in a, a next week. That's a week. Time. That's next yeah, week. Yeah. I don't know when it, uh, this was coming out, but at the Cleveland event, my mom's coming and I'm a little concerned now. She's she thinks she's a star. So she might pop on stage and like totally take over the show because she just that's where her head's at now. <laughs> That's like when uh, Jay Z will pop out with Beyonce. Uh, your you mom know your parents out. too. Your parents are stars now from these podcasts. It's weird it's, too because you it, tell these stories. Oh, it's wild. They feel like they know them. And I was talking with Sammy Sage earlier, and I was saying, you know, it's it's funny. It makes you appreciate your family in a whole different light when they're like, your mom was hysterical, or your dad is this, and I'm like, 
oh my god what do you mean it's like they're a mess they're a complete I mess i know uh, i've I, my friends i've always been sort of doing impressions of my mom even in grade school and high school because my mom is someone and this comes up i think in the book so often because my mom even outside of the holidays is always trying to keep it together and present that sort of perfect sheen and it never is presenting that and so it's always been so funny to me because i know what she is behind closed doors and how hard <laughs> she is trying to come across one way and it's like so very clear she's not coming across as so perfect like everybody can see it except for her but in her brain it's like but, Damn, that, look, but that look at us it, that but that imperfectness is perfect like that's the thing is that like oh my god it was so perfect at the time it was horrifying but it was just perfect and it's like sloppy like and it's it, it's non-execution you know like yeah. the the big dreams that never came to light in terms of the holidays and you know uh christmas vacation was is such a influential movie to me and the book title is uh a little you, you moment start from off. The, the passage yeah. the first passage is you know, we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest holiday, you know, like I've, yeah. it's burned into my mind. Yeah. And I really, that's what I want. I want the book to feel like a Christmas vacation in a book form. But I think if you look at the Griswolds, Clark and Ellen, the parent parental figures in those movies, the vacation movies, I think they're a similar way of, I don't think Clark really recognizes who, how he's coming across, but in his brain, he's coming across as Danny fucking K. You know, <laughs> yeah, we're hap, hap, happy. I God, I, I watched that movie. My parents were moving from Kansas to Arizona and my dad felt bad about moving the family. So he let us go to the movie theater every weekend. And I saw Christmas Vacation five weekends in oh, a row and that. it was heaven. Like I still that movie has made such an impact on me. I watch yeah. it so many times a year, too. Um, what is the um, what's the best Christmas gift you've ever received? You know, I think uh, the the one that sticks out, and I, I think I mentioned this in the book, but the one that sticks out was in the 80s. Uh, I had wanted uh, the 101 Dalmatian plushes, like I and I wanted this specifically a patch one. It was when the movie was maybe re-released or something. Uh, but I was so excited because I got this patch. It was just a stuffed animal. But then my brother's got the Nintendo. So this was probably late 80s. They got the original Nintendo. And I just remember that holiday, that Christmas morning, setting up the Nintendo. And I had the 101 Dalmatians. And then being so blown away by video games. That was like my first real sort of introduction to video games. And I just have a very vivid memory. I don't remember much about uh, what happened the rest of the day. But I remember like sitting while my brothers were playing Super Mario, sitting with my plush. And it was just so, uh, I, I wish I could kind of, recapture that feeling or go back in time to that moment because it was just a pleasant i don't know it's just a, a special christmas that's how about that you? your red your red rider shotgun yeah yeah probably how about you the early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series from shows like kid nation cbs weird lord of the fly style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town to the swan a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant on each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? 
the women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. No, I mean, like, the best Christmas gift... I I mean, you know, there was one year that... uh, my mom got me a leather jacket and it was, but it was, it was, you know, we were a generic family in terms of she bought everything generic. So it was a leather jacket, but it was the leather jacket from Ross and it wasn't the right style, but it was the thought of like, you have a leather jacket. It wasn't even leather. You guys it was pleather, but yeah. it was the fact of, you know, she tried to make this work and it was a deep realization of wasn't what I wanted but she tried to make it happen within the confines of her budget and what was okay for her. But that sticks out to me. It was like my uh, eighth grade uh, eight when I was in eighth grade that happened. And it was like this big old puffy burly leather jacket that looked horrible on me. But I remember thinking like, hell yeah, look at this. And then I put a bunch of nerdy pop culture buttons on it. And it was, I, but that was, that sticks out in my head, even though it's not like the best gift ever, but it just meant so much to me at the time. Um, yeah. yeah you know, know, speaking of leather jacket, when I was in high school, my older brother got some like scammy connection of someone that was selling leather jackets. And so the, the, this guy was selling them for, I don't really cheap, probably like 20 bucks or something for what I thought was a leather jacket. And then I bought, I was so excited to show it off, but it was pleather. And then I remember being out with friends and it was peeling on the back, the leather jacket, because it wasn't leather. It was like peeling off. And a friend, I didn't even know that it was peeling on the back and I'm wearing it. I'm thinking I look so cool and I can't believe I got this leather jacket. And then a friend came and like ripped where it was peeling off. So it made like the whole (laughs) thing fall apart. And I was just like, oh, it's a leather jacket. My friends are like, that's not leather. Like it's completely falling apart. (laughs) I can see that. (laughs) And I just felt like an idiot. That's so Midwest too. That I mean, I love all of that. Um, I was thinking about reading this book too of the appreciation you have, and I I got scared because I was like, you have to do this intense tour now, probably right now, which is exciting because you love this. You truly love the people listening to your podcast and reading your books. But are we ruining your holiday for you? Like I kept thinking, are we ruining Danny's Halloween? Are we ruining? Like are we now putting his like is how is he gonna is he gonna enjoy the holidays this year? I kept thinking about that. No, I will totally enjoy the holidays. First of all, it has been a mind fuck because I've been writing sometimes Christmas stories in the summer months and editing during the fall and spring. And it's all over the place. So I feel like I've been sort of celebrating the end of the year holidays for months now. Uh, But I am excited because so my tour will be over by November. So my last sort of live show dates are in early November. So then I'll be able to just sort of settle in and really enjoy the holidays. So I'm excited. I think also I just feel so proud of the book and it is exhausting and I feel so gross trying to get people to buy it. And I don't like that part because I am so proud of it, but then I feel just, just gross bugging people to buy it. And I know, especially during these times, it's like people don't have a lot of money and it's hard. Books are printing is expensive. So books all are being, uh, they're costing more. And so I do feel bad begging people to buy the book, but I am really proud of it. And I do think it'll be a fun thing for people to read over the holiday season. So it's, I'm kind of in that way of like, um, angel uh, devil, you, you, you're not begging. Like this is something that I. Well, I'm truly begging a believe. little, Ryan. I'm well, begging no, a I'm be- I'm begging people. Don't let me do the begging because I'm like this. Really, truly, will add to your holiday. Um, 
you also have one of the funnier release dates for a book, October 24th, because not only is your book get released, but uh, a certain pop culture icon, Britney Spears book gets released on the same day. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And my parents, I did have to bully them into pre-ordering mine because I had to go on my mom's Amazon account and she had pre-ordered two copies of Britney Spears book and no copies of mine. This, So I had like logged in and seen this and I was like, you guys have to pre-order mine. Like you need to do that. But I know Britney, <laughs> everyone is so excited and myself included. I love Britney Spears, so I can't wait. And I have this weird sort of fantasy that I would run into her somewhere and be like, we have the same book release. <laughs> she was like, and I know, Danny. Dance. Are you kidding me? I know, Danny. <laughs> well, here's, I don't know if you've already talked about this. You probably have. But to me, let's paint this as the book form of Barbenheimer. This is Barbenheimer right now. This is Pella Spears. This is that. like both books. Like these, this is a pop culture lover's dream. I'm telling you, you buy these two books and give them to a friend. That is the perfect holiday gift. I Are love you, you kidding me? Yeah, I Pella love you. Spears. And there's also a John Stamos book coming out that day. So I don't know how we can incorporate him, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just on a flight with John Stamos. And he was so lithe and skinny and he's 60 years old and I looked older than him. And I was, he was like bouncing around and I kept like looking back at John Stamos because he's so good looking. And I was like, I was, I was starstruck by John Stamos the entire flight. Can I tell you a secret story that yes. I don't even know if I've, I've told this before, but my uh, brother and sister-in-law, when they got married, I was only 18 years old, but they did like a bachelor bachelorette party in Vegas. And so my brother gave me, one of my brothers gave me his old ID so I can like go to the 21 and up things. Uh, but anyway, we were at this outdoor day pool, which I don't even know if it's still around, but it used to be called Rehab. That was the name of this pool party. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were there and uh, my sister and I, my sister-in-law and I were like walking around the perimeter to just kind of scope out who had the the cabanas. And we saw John Stamos, who was there with Drew Carey, a Cleveland icon. And we asked to take a photo with John Stamos. And we had those uh, those cameras back in the day. What were those? Those disposable cameras. Yeah. And uh, my sister-in-law said to John Stamos, like, my brother-in-law really wants uh, to know where the Olsons are. He loves Mary-Kate and Ashley. And John Stamos pointed at his his penis and he said, the twins, the twins are right here. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. And obviously everyone was tipsy. It was at all in playful nature. It wasn't, it wasn't any, uh, anything bad. It was very tipsy, playful, but I, I just, it stuck out to me and he was pointing at his, his dick and just saying the twins are here. <laughs> that story will probably be in John Stamos's book. So get all three books. That would be incredible. Right. Um, so this way, I mean, you are going back on tour as well, which starts next week in Cleveland. A lot of these dates are already sold out, but I'm sure there's a few remaining tickets for here and there. But what's it like, uh, what it goes into you, not only promoting your book and pushing this out there, but then facing a live audience of your listeners again, is it nothing but excitement or do you have nerves going back into this? It's so exciting. I, I like being on stage. I don't like the travel part of it. I don't like planes and I get anxious on planes and I always am so worried I'm going to be late or something, but the actual shows are so fun. And I, I went on tour, tour earlier this year and uh, so for the live shows that we have this video that opens up that it's kind of exclusive to the live shows. And so it's so fun to watch the reaction to that. And then I'll talk about whatever's kind of going on in the Bravo world at these live shows. So, 
there's so much, as you know, we're right before BravoCon, but there's just so many things happening in that world. So I'm really excited to really get to break down everything that's going on. So uh, there are still tickets available to Nashville, Cleveland, and then a couple for San Francisco. So if anyone's out there, we're going to be talking about all the Bravo stuff and uh, it's going to be really good time. And then, and then I have a couple like book signing only events. So I'm going to be at the Grove and that just kind of blows my mind. I can't believe uh, I'm going to be able to go to the Barnes and Noble Grove to sign books. I don't know. It's just exciting, but I like to meet everybody. Yeah, no, it's like so exciting. People are so excited to meet you and go to these shows. It's one of those things that I get so excited when people talk to me about you because you really not, it's, I would say not, it's not a roadmap because I could never be you. We're all like so unique and different, but it's so exciting to see somebody that you believe in, but not even believe in because it's like, oh, he worked hard. It's like, no, you're like, you're a genius. Like, this is so, oh, you're so funny. You're like, you're so. Kind. I mean, you, like that's what's exciting about this for all of us to watch this and watch you uh, keep reaching new heights. Um, I wanted Ryan, to talk I got to the- say, though, I got to stop yeah. you because I, I got to say within sort of our little Bravo podcast or pop culture podcast community, I just feel like everyone is so supportive. And that's not normally the case, I think, in other industries, particularly in the entertainment world. And I do feel so lucky like you people like you and uh Watch what crappens or two judgy girls or Amy Phil or all of these people. I mean, yeah. I'm only naming, I, you know, forgive me for all the ones I didn't say, but everyone is so nice. And I just feel grateful that we're all seemingly supportive without, it doesn't feel like fake supportive because we all no. talk sort of offline or text each other. And it's, it really is just nice. And so rare. I think. Could you imagine if Ronnie Karam was like, Listen, Danny, you piece of shit. You know, like, oh, you better step off, dude. I don't want you talking about Salt Lake this season. Well, we did almost have a fake feud because Ronnie texted me or I forget if it was Ronnie or Ben, but we were laughing about the um, Bethany Frankel. There there was all that. uh, No, I forget who it was. Some of those podcasters had like some big drama or some uh, big feud that was happening. I think it was maybe. Oh, I don't even remember who. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. which I just don't, I don't know much about, so forgive me. But yeah. I, uh, he was saying, let's start a fake feud, like to to get because everyone was so invested, I guess, and yeah. what was going on, and so we we sort of joked about starting a fake feud. But no, there's no real feud. They're so nice. That's what I was saying. I was saying the other day about feuds. I was like, I keep joking about wanting one, but if I ever had one, it would make me feel so bad. I would just worry about it nonstop. Yeah. It would make me feel sick. And that's not what like this is truly the love of pop culture that you represent. Um, I was at your first show that you ever did at the Troubadour uh, a lot. I mean, I guess years ago now, is it the same video that you played that night? Cause it's so yeah. good. That video. Oh, thank I you. No, it, it. We keep updating it. So every, it literally every things keep getting added to it. It's, it's incredible now. I mean, I Matt helps me put it together, so it's not gross of me to say because he's doing a lot of that. I'm mostly just like texting my boyfriend, being like, "Make sure you put Meredith Marks slurring the word rumors in there." You know, like I'm texting him these crazy things, rumors. You know, so it, it's ever evolving and changing. But you were at the Troubadour show, which do you remember who the guests were at the show? Were Ariana, Ariana and Tom? And Tom. Yeah. yeah, which by the way, because you co—I mean, you were—you helped write that uh, the cocktail book, obviously. Which my mom was you, you, like made every drink recipe in that damn book. I got her her own copy. Uh, it's a but, good book. Like I know that I really was the good. co-author about it, but it—it it was like a nice book, and we put a lot of work into that. And the pictures turned out great. The recipes are great. So I have to say, even though there was that whole scandal with that, uh, I the book is a solid book. 
Yeah, no, it, it really is a solid book. I mean, but it is wild to think about, you know, even your relationship with them and then everything that exploded. I mean, I, I'm curious if we are on the other side of Scandaball where it's going to like, you know, where it's you now get the backlash of I don't want to hear about any of it anymore. I'm just tired of any of it. I'm curious how much this Vanderpump ecosystem can continue. Like, can it can it soar to new heights or have we reached the mass consumption level that it should be at? I think we've reached the heights and now it's kind of going to be on the way down. That's not to say there couldn't be another moment because what I've learned with the Scandaval is that if anything could come at any time. So if something could happen, I don't know that collectively in reality TV will have another Scandaval type moment because I don't know that I'd seen, I haven't seen anything like that probably since the table flip, but that was such a different era of reality TV. But I really do think Scandaval like, it could connected the public consciousness way more than Jen Shah or Erica Jane in the news. Like Scandaval, for some reason or another, really infiltrated regular news and and people who don't know about the Bravo world were really into it and invested. So I don't know that anything could touch that. But I think in 10 years, if Vanderpump Rules is still on, there could be something again. Or, you know, with all of these Bravo shows, I think there could be something. And I never will discount them because sometimes a show might feel long in the tooth and then you have something like Scandaval happen. Yeah, that's right. Like, that's why with Real Housewives of New York, I don't know if you feel this way, is that I'm okay with fights about like phones. It's getting a little like in the weeds right now, but I'm like, okay, because you're setting a foundation for when something insane happens, we do know these ladies. We will go there with them. We will, like when something works up to the level of you know, insanity, we already know these ladies. So we are much more willing to go there with them. Do you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, with the new Roni, I, and don't yell at me in the DMS listeners, but I found this season incredibly bad, like incredibly boring. (laughs) And I I personally thought that, Uh, but that said, I do love the casting. And I think the problem I mostly had with the season was that the cast members didn't know each other. And we're kind of getting more details about how they didn't know each other coming out. I think Cy just recently gave an interview saying we're just meeting each other. So, So there wasn't really a foundation. And I really have an issue with the network and I, we love Bravo, but I do have an issue with them stretching the season to 14 episodes. Cause one of the things that I was saying on my show was like, a lot of our franchises launch with like eight episodes, including the reunion. So if you look at season one, Atlanta, I believe, New York, Orange County, those were eight episode seasons, again, including the reunion episodes. Whereas the new season of New York, they're doing 14 episodes plus a reunion, 16 total, because now we found out the reunion's going to be two parts. And to me, that was just stretched too thin. They should have reduced the episode count. Like to me, that the problems I have with the season are more with the network. And and I know there are other things going into it on the network side where they have to order a certain amount of episodes. And But I just think they should have truncated it to the eight episodes. And I think it would have been a fantastic first season. Instead, it feels like so many of these things are dragging. And and I, I think you might, I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes you can notice when it's like they're they're doing so many tricks or or making a meal out of a small thing because they don't have anything else. And so I feel like that's what they're doing with, let's say, the Jessel storyline and whether or not she's having sex. It's like being stretched to three episodes. And I think that's producers saying, oh, shit, like we have to do yeah. 14 episodes. So well, we got to make something. 
they're doing themselves a disservice because they're also making us by stretching this one story out, they're making the passion for disliking Psy that much more intense, you know, or as I call her S I G H it's just, it's, it's going too long with that. Where it's like each week we're disliking her more because they're just focusing on this one story. It's like, get in, get out because now she has so much more of a hill to overcome on the second season within the fandom itself. But I always want new things. Like I don't think yeah. there's a world in which I don't want to I don't want to learn about new women's stories. I don't think it's like, well, Roni had the OGs and it's got it in there. I'm not of that mindset. I think it would be good uh or I think next season or it'll be great because I I do believe the women are quirky. We haven't gotten the quirkiness much this season cuz we're just getting to know them. They're getting to know each other. Now that we're reaching the end of the Roni season, I am feeling like we're in a good spot-ish. And I personally would like if they maybe incorporate, like bring Luann and Sonia in the mix or or try to find a way to yeah. maybe bring some a couple of them and bridge the gap that way. But uh, yeah, I, I do think the season's bad. and <laughs> I do feel like everybody's kidding themselves. If they're saying it's good, that's my opinion. And maybe it's wrong. And maybe some people are listening and saying you're wrong. But it's not I don't fault the women for it because I think it was good casting. I just fault that they are doing 16 episodes of essentially a brand new show, which they wouldn't. I Salt Lake City might have had a large amount of episodes, but I really feel like they had the content for it. And I for their first season. And I don't well, feel like Roni did this one. Well, yeah, I mean, Salt Lake and also you had Jen Shaw throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticked. And, you know, we were also in a pandemic where we were pretty much locked away in our houses still. So all of that really added to just being so thirsty for that content. And they did deliver. It was like, you know, the religion of it all, the location of it all with the snow. It worked on so many different levels. But then you go to Salt Lake now. And what do you think of Salt Lake this season? Because it is I really I it shouldn't work yet. It works so well. It's like, it's none of it really adds up, but it's so wonderful to, it's like a fever dream. Do you feel this way? Recapping it gives a different appreciation for it because it is so fast paced. It's so, I keep saying the word crazy. I apologize, but it's so (laughs) fucking nuts. Everything, the characters are nuts. What's going on is nuts. And so it is so much fun to recap. So it does give me a different appreciation because I just have the best time when I get to talk about on the microphone about Salt Lake City. And I don't always feel that way. And I'm sure you do too. Sometimes if a season's really snoozy or something, you're like, I don't got anything to say about this. Oh, I get, I mean, I get like, I get to do a a Salt Lake recap later and I'm so looking forward to it just because of Meredith Marks. And I was thinking about this because I was watching the OC reunion last night. And I said, there's something about once a housewife gets into third or fourth season, just in terms of their vocal um, bravado, you know, it's like Meredith, of course, like all the accents, but you notice how she's like elongating certain, she's like, yeah, she's being more free with that voice. It's like, it reminds me of voice class where you're like, speak from the diaphragm and Meredith, you know, just like Shannon Bedore of like, my only job is to be Shannon Storm Bedore. And I was like, this is amazing. This is huge. Like, it's so look good. Look at the vocal leaps. Yeah. I'm on the edge of my seat every time Meredith Marks talks. I'm just like, what is going to come out of the mouth right now? Like, I don't know. Because that scene this week when she was with Brooks, all of a sudden it was more monotone. It was like, they were in the car and she's like, I'm going to be working for glass. It was just so. (laughs) Brooks has snow goggles on. So you feel like 
I, I said it was like that dream you have of like, oh, yeah, I went snowshoeing with Meredith and Brooks Marks. He was wearing big goggles. And then the scene ends with Brooks hopping around in snowshoes. Okay. Flouncing, flouncing, I think, around. He was hop- he was skipping around, flouncing. I was so in love with I it. I loved it. Oh, my God. Um, Really yeah, quickly about I, yeah. OC, where do you think we wound up? Because I thought the second part of the reunion was really actually interesting to watch. But it's interesting also because we know what happens 10 days later with Miss Shannon Bedore. What did you think of this season? I thought it was a hard thing of nowadays, we almost expect them to pick back up filming or to edit the episodes. And we know they have to do it in advance. So the Orange County, I kept thinking before it aired, what are they going to do to address the Shannon Bedore thing driving around into somebody's house? And ultimately, they just had the quick little title card. But I am a fan of a two-part reunion if it calls for it. I don't think we need to stretch everything to a three-part reunion. Again, it goes back to that thing of like network not stretching it out. And and I always love Bravo because some of the other reality TV networks will stretch everything out. If you look at Fox or ABC or some of those shows where they're showing three-hour episodes that could be one or two hours. So I think by and large, Bravo is really respectful of the audience's time in that way. And I like to give them credit for that. And so I was happy for a two-part unit. I loved the season of Orange County. To me, this was finally a return to form that they had promised last season with Heather. And so I loved the mix. I love the cast of Orange County right now. And yeah, I, I thought it was a great overall season. I enjoyed watching every single episode. Did you like Tamara back? Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that I think is most important about Tamara is she keeps everybody else on their toes. So I think everybody else steps up a little bit. They're all on guard, I, probably because they've worked with Tamara before and they know that she could stir the pot at any given moment and say or do whatever. But I think that is important for the show because I don't know if you noticed this, but it's like Gina, Emily, I thought they all kind of had to rise a little bit this season. Do you feel that way? Yes, I thought, you know, it is interesting. They always say work with the best people to like actually make your own performance rise. And I hate to say that about Tamara, but she really did bring that up, even though I don't agree with how she does it. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how people just don't nail her to the wall every second of the day. She's able to get away with everything, but you can't argue that it it worked this season. It completely yeah. worked. I also, this might be conspiracy theory, but seeing her and Heather at the end of the part two of the reunion, and they went out afterwards and they've been posting pictures smiling. I'm like, oh, I wonder if there is a maybe not explicit, but maybe there is a tinge of like, oh, let's the two of us, we're gonna perform this season, you know? And I'm okay with that because it to me, this that worked. Sometimes it might feel too actory or too staged, but to me, they both stepped up. And Heather, I think, wanted someone to work with, much like if you read Dave Quinn's excellent. Um, book about the Not Real Housewives. And Rose, yeah. yeah, he talks, or the chapter, I think it was about Atlanta, where Nene Leakes and Claudia had that, of course, infamous fight. And Nene's referenced this before in other interviews, but even though her and Claudia were fighting so much, I think Nene appreciated having someone to kind of, a, a strong presence on the show. And I feel like Heather probably appreciated, even when she was fighting with Tamara, that she had something to work with. Because above all else, Heather is a performer. And so even though she might have been hating uh, Tamara at that finale party, I think there was a part of Heather that was like, oh, good, chase me around this party. Like, I finally have someone to work with. Because finally when have a she was, partner. Yeah, when she was with some other people that have come and gone, it's like, what is she doing with that Dr. Jen? Like, no offense to Dr. Jen, but she wasn't making anyone's talents rise on Orange County. 
<laughs> it's like, well, yeah, it's like Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, you know, like like Thelma and Louise. You got to have these two parts for actually the movie to work. So that's an interesting way to look at it. And also this season was based around acting with IMDb and, you know, Heather moving to Los Angeles to get more film and TV work, which is hysterical because everything's on tape now anyway. So you don't have to move. It made no sense at all. Um, but I love this season in this really weird way. Uh, I'm just curious because I love that thought of them the the meta of it all of shannon saying i'm shannon storms of a door like i'm a performer i get out there and i show my stomach yes. on national and i love that thought of them thinking of themselves as performers as slapping on the old stage makeup and doing the razzle dazzle to me that makes me laugh so much that they almost try to outproduce the producers and that's the thing that fascinates me is this mm -hmm. cat and mouse game potentially between producers and them producing themselves yeah, and I think when the cast members do take it too far, there was that scene earlier in the season where a producer, uh, they, they showed a moment where Shannon's like, I can't talk about John's kid because they hate me. You know, I can't bring that up on camera. And they showed that. And so I always feel like the producers will keep the cast members in check where if they feel like they are doing something like Shannon might have seemingly been doing uh, in the season in regards to John or what is that the guy's name? John? John Jansen. I'm name? John yeah. Jansen. I'm yeah, so John angry. Jansen. So I think they threw her under the bus a little bit because probably they wanted her to talk about her relationship with his kids. And so finally she was hiding that for so long and they said, okay, we're going to show that moment. And so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if it. you try to pull off your mic, we're going to film you because when Shannon tries to pull off her mic, she thinks it's like a bravo, bravo, effing bravo. But when she does it, she reveals so much information within the process of like, she'll be like, we have fights that paralyze me. Like, you <laughs> dork, if you're going to do it, stop. You say more information when you're leaving than right. you do in actual <laughs> scenes. It's amazing. I know. I, it's so good. And I also think uh, Orange County is very hard to cast by every seeming account we've heard from interviews with producers to, and Anne or whoever, it seems like that's one of the most difficult franchises to cast. And of course, we are in Orange County. So it, it's not like Orange County is some huge country or something. You know, it's a small area. So I would imagine it's challenging to find people that are going to be open and honest on camera who can bring us a little bit of that razzle dazzle that we need and a little bit of performance. And so uh, in terms of the casting, I just don't know that we're, we would get much better than what we have now with casting. We've had so many people kind of come and go and we flopping yeah. hard. And so I, at least with Orange County, I'm like, okay, this cast is, they're pretty good. Like, let's at least keep it maybe another season and see. And I like an addition, but I don't know that we need to get rid of anyone. Um, do you have like 10 more minutes, Danny? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so uh, Orange County, I want to move on to we're about to get hit with Beverly Hills. And obviously the Kyle Mauricio relationship, we're seeing Mauricio on Dancing with the Stars with Ariana. Are you looking forward to the season? Where does your mind go when you see Kyle in uh, a ripped denim with her new friend uh, Morgan, which I think new friends, you know, and by the way, your, your trip, you know, you even say like I. I, I endear myself sometimes to the weirdest person in the room or somebody, you know, like I, I just keep thinking about the one story with the lady with the meats. I'm sorry, but like, I love how you went out and like with drank with her that night. You went in, like, I was like, oh my God, you went out and had drinks with her and you were hung over the next morning, which you guys, you got to get this book because this Thank one's God. that story makes me laugh thinking about it all week, the jolliest bunch, but Morgan, Wade and Kyle, where are you at with all of this? And how do you think they're going to even put this into the show? 
Ryan, the way that you just bridged a gap between my holiday book and the honky tonk lesbian that Kyle is potentially dating uh, is masterful. And so I think, <laughs> um, but the, the Morgan, I'm sort of tired of all of that stuff. I, I also yeah. find that to be a bunch of bullshit and maybe it's not and forgive me and I will eat crow if it comes out that it's not, but I just feel so skeptical about the whole thing. And in the trailer, I guess I maybe, I maybe leaned a little bit more towards believing what's happening with Kyle because of the tears and the, it it felt like real emotion and, and seeing her get the tattoo, which I don't know that you would get a tattoo if it's, if it's super PR planned. However, I'm still very skeptical of it. They both have shows coming out a new season of Beverly Hills. Mauricio's got a new season of that Netflix show. I don't understand why Morgan's doing the Amazon lives with, with Kyle, because that, in, that makes me believe that they have more of a business relationship. And so I just think, I think it's, I'm skeptical of all of it. And I, I'm worried that the whole season is going to be about that. The whole trailer was essentially about that. And from what I understand, a lot of that was like picked up filming after the season had wrapped because yeah. the story broke after the season wrapped. So that made me believe like, well, do they have anything else for us? Or is that, are they going to try to edit that throughout the season and just sort of tease it for a hundred episodes? So I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I sounded so pessimistic, but Beverly Hills, I think even when it's bad, it that sh- I find it fun to recap because uh, you can, I don't know how to say this. It's a fun show to recap because the, personalities like Kyle and Erica are big personalities. Yeah. Sort of. Well, I, I always, sense. yo, you totally, I mean, Maybe it's, it's just fun to drag. I think it's, I think it's fun to drag the Beverly Hills housewives. I, I, oh my I God. wanted it to be PC, but it's fun to drag the housewives of Beverly Hills. Well, it's like Orange County thinks of themselves as performers. Beverly Hills thinks of themselves as superstars. Erica Jane, I still think she thinks she's Lady Gaga in her head because she was like, I don't know if anybody wants to work with me anymore. And like, I love the thought of her like getting in the studio for a comeback of like, is the audience still hungry for me? And I'm like, was the audience ever? <laughs> what I brought this up so many times. Like, remember when you went to that Erica Jane show and you did a bunch of videos in the back in the empty space? Do you remember? <laughs> I did. I went to an Erica Jane show in uh, Las Vegas. Like, I know she's got the residency there, but I, I went on like, it, I, I think it was there. Maybe it was a Pride Vegas Pride weekend or something. But- it was a completely empty venue and I was there to support. I was ready to pat the puss. Yeah. And then uh, there was nobody else on the, on the floor. It was like, nobody was there. Um, and yes, it was shocking. <laughs> um, wait, will you go see Erica Jane for the bet it all on blonde tour? I mean, I, I would sort of go if I was in Vegas and friends want, we were drinking and friends wanted to go and the tickets were seven bucks, like in the right circumstances, of course. Yes. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you're like this, but with all of the Bravo liberties, even when I hate, it's like family, even when I hate them, like out outside of our family, I support them. So like, I, I, I might hate, let's say Erica Jane, but if I hear somebody who doesn't watch Beverly Hills Housewives talking shit about her, I might stick up for her. You know, that's the kind of vibe to me okay so would you would that carry over to tom sandoval and the most extras no and and i should also be clear i i don't know if it would apply to erica jane specifically (laughs) but uh yes i think (laughs) some of them i would some of them yeah i should be clear some of them i would um or even when they're on other shows i tend to support them even if i hate them so if one of them pops up in like celebrity big brother that i hate i will still support them on celebrity big brother 
Oh, I was actually really excited when I heard the rumor that Erica Jane was going to be on Celebrity Big Brother. I was like, oh, I might actually check that out if she's on it because it would be interesting to see when she drops a persona or when she amps up the persona. That kind of stuff would be fascinating on like open feed cameras. Yeah, I know they're doing Traders on Peacock, which is a great show, but I would like a more of a style where they're all under one roof like a Big Brother. But instead of it being a mix of reality TV people, I'd love it if it was just our Bravo people. Yeah, no, I totally, I that would be amazing. And it's kind of close to that way. I mean, it's there in a sense, but then they try to bring in like like last week, like Survivor with Sari and all these. Yeah. yeah, Bravo would just be incredible. And Winter House is kind of starting to adapt that model, but they're still centering it on the younger talent on the network. And I, I would like to see the Housewives and Ultimate Girls Trip is sort of like that, but I, I just basically want that season of Ultimate Girls Trip where it was everyone at Dorinda's house, like I just want that to be an ongoing series at Dorinda's haunted house. Like, just please lock people in there. I mean, it, I love that Ultimate Girls Trip at Dorinda. Just the fact, like how, like about not eating in the bedrooms, and it was like so visceral in terms of her anger and like you know the I cooked, I clean, I made it nice, and you just see how she really does live and die by that mantra. Yeah. And by the way, that's the only, to me, good season. The first season and the third season were okay to watch, but they're not anything I would revisit because it was enjoyable to watch. But the second season I I have and I will continue to revisit because it's so chaotic. Um, uh, Then to, well, by the way, that, the Erica Jane thing cracks me up because I ask a lot of people that question, would you see it? And it's always the same. It's always well, it's conditional. Well, if I, it's always like, well, if somebody tranquilized me and they dragged my body and then I didn't have like, it's always four conditions before they're like, yeah, I would, but here's the deal. I wouldn't pay with American money and I wouldn't do that. They always have these. I love, I love uh, our little Bravo community. I love us all. And, and the truth is any of those shows, whether it be Countess Luann or Erica Jane, what makes them fun is the audience being people that have the same reference points. So I know an Erica Jane show would be fun because I'd be surrounded with people who had those conditions, like you mentioned, but also know every quote and meme of Erica, you know, like we would have a good time with each other. So to me, that's the best part about going to a Countess Luann show, which you know, you and I have gone to and like just being Many, ar- around yeah. each other. I was doing, uh, I was talking to an interview about BravoCon yesterday. Are you going to be able to be at BravoCon or does it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm actually doing a signing. It's, it's uh, in Henderson, which is like uh Las Vegas adjacent, but I'm doing a signing at the uh, Barnes and Noble in Henderson. So if it's the Thursday before BravoCon starts on Friday, it'll be the Thursday before. So if anyone's out there, oh, come see me yeah. in Henderson. You you have to get it's a ticketed thing for that and the Grove signing. But it'll be really fun because we'll uh, we'll all be together. So and we went when I we that thing you organized at your ropes course, and then we went to the Quiet Woman afterwards. Remember, and Gina and Emily were we there, sure and then Shannon walked in and gave him the dirtiest look ever, and then came over to the table, and I got like I was like taking pictures of Shannon and she like looked like dead in my eyes, like evil. It was like, Oh, it was like, it was never forget. Oh, amazing. I'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of scared to see Shannon just cause I, I'm not normally, I'm not super mean to anybody, but you know, I don't always say the most complimentary things let's say about Shannon. Well, that's how do you do that as a host of like trying to pick the right things of like, we want to be nice, but we also want to be, you're a fan. You're somebody that represents us as well. How do you walk that line? And and by the way, how do you do that on your podcast? I don't know. I, I try to make, my show is always just meant to be silly. So I never really try to go too hard on anybody. And if I do, I try to turn it around on myself or make self-deprecating jokes. But I, I never really want anyone to leave the show feeling like I was 
too hard on somebody. So I, I really do try my best to keep it something that I at least would feel comfortable if I do run into one of these people in the wild or or see them somewhere because I truthfully do not want to get yelled at. And I, I also just want to be silly. Like I'm not, my show is, I think, less about my opinions and more about just like, let's have some laughs for an hour about all of this stuff that's going on. And of, of course, occasionally I might cross a line a little bit and say something that's hard on some of the women, but I do try my best to keep it above the line. I am the opposite of that, you guys. As you know, I'm scared to bump into everybody. I'm scared to bump into Tom Sandoval. I'm scared. Would you ever have Tom Sandoval on your podcast at this point? I don't know. I think that would be challenging. Uh, yeah, I think that would be, he has been on before and, and I do, I don't know. I, I do want to move on from all of that scandal stuff. And I, I kind of feel like they were all, and this is might get me in trouble, but I, I do feel like we, it was all a lot of heightened emotions. And I, I do kind of feel bad for everybody involved in all of it because it, it must've just been a really challenging time for, for all of them, Ariana, Rachel, Tom, kind of looking back at that whole moment in time, it, we were all talking about it and it must've just been hard. And so I know I'm glad we're moving into the new season and emotions are are down and um, all of that. Yeah. I want this new season to start and be over with. And then I feel, no, I don't think done? so at this point. No, you know, I got really like, I mean, I got lost in the sauce as uh, Tom Schwartz would say, because also like, I was really like, you know, I, we obviously know Ariana aside from this. And I just thought, and I, I did like, I was, I, I was at Coachella with him and Rick, I like, I really was shocked. And I really would have thought to the end saying, oh, this is bullshit. It's a lie. He never would do that. I get I this weird thing where I look up to some of these people in a real, like, it's really, I've had to check myself. And so I was just shocked. And I just thought, oh man, I always liked him. Cause he was like the anti-Jax and he wasn't one of those guys using this to potentially get, and just, then just watching his performance his Howie Mandel. I just thought this is not doing anybody any favors. And then the Vanderpump ecosystem, myself included watching that take off. And then everybody start getting brand deals on top of it. And I don't mean Ariana. Uh, I mean like everybody around, it was, that's what I was like. I wish this next season would just be about the hype, the Beatlemania mm -hmm. of it all and watching the reality of that situation. Because at this point, you can't so argue that Tom is not financially making money off this as well. Like he's just having to do it in a way that he's not used to as a villain. But he's finding every opportunity to get out there from uh, special forces to the mass singer to his own podcast, which I know he doesn't even really love podcasts. So that to me is interesting to watch that in terms of a PR uh, machine that it is now. So I mean, but at the same time, what a time that we had, like it's Haley's comment. It's not going to come around for a long time. Yeah. It was, it was also great TV. It was just so well produced. The TV, oh, right? like every episode from, I guess the second half of the season was thrilling to watch. And I think it was thrilling, not only because of all of those things outside of the episodes of TV with the ecosystem, like you mentioned, but I also just think the episodes were so well produced. They were thrilling to watch. So that made yeah. it fun. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the other thing, too, in just terms of like, and we've talked a little bit about conspiracies and things that happened behind the scenes, but I just got so tired of people telling me this was set up. This was, and I was like, guys, I can guarantee you this is real. Like, I, I can guarantee, and that was frustrating just to see us as an audience and where we are in society today with anything pop culture. I mean, even Taylor and Travis Kelsey know the NFL is paying them to do this. Like sometimes I'm like, guys, we, we sometimes have a nugget of truth. There's two things can be true mm -hmm. at once, but not everything is this global conspiracy down to Vanderpump rules, giving Sheena Shea the lines to say with Tom Sandoval in a scene. 
Yeah. And I think it's, it's challenging and it makes the line a little blurry when you maybe do know them in real life or, and, and because the show is edited one way, people are different in real life in other ways. And so it, it does make that kind of a mind fuck to navigate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this has gone way too fast. Uh, I wanted to say really quickly, though, for four so bad it's good listeners, I am uh, giving away copies of the Jolliest Bunch. I'll let you know how to give this, but I think this is the perfect. I mean, I'm I'm not even. I will bet my whole life on it that this is a book that will add to your holiday season. Listen, I lost. You guys know I lost my mom about a month and a half ago, and I was reading I'm that so first sorry, story Ryan, too. By the way, but I mean, well, yeah. Yeah, anyway. yeah, no, I was, but I was reading that first story and I really got nervous about reading your book, you know, because it made me love, it reminded me of all the things that I loved about my mom during the holidays and how that won't potentially, that won't be here this year. And I was like, oh, is this healthy? But then I kept reading it and it made me love all those memories about my mom. It made me think about all those memories about my mom. It made me think about the holidays in the most positive way, even when it's negative in the holidays, how it turns into a positive. And that's what this book is going to fill you with. I mean, truly insane stories. And also, how long did it take you to, I mean, within the first two uh, sentences of the acknowledgements, he thanks J.C. Chazé, (laughs) which of course he had to get a J.C. Chazé in there. Of course, yeah. Uh, That's my J.C. That's my, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what would JC do? JC Chazé. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did we, what did you think of the new Instinct song and how excited are you about the possibility of a possible tour return? I hope there's more NSYNC coming. I would kill for a tour. I love NSYNC. And so of course I want anything to come out of JC Chazé's mouth is good with me. Or yeah, or anything. Any, yeah, I won't. Yeah, yeah. I won't let you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I. I did. Rea- I realized when I that was coming out of my mouth that I, yeah, it was that inappropriate. Was, um, yeah. No, I love JC though, and uh, so I thought the song was fun and catchy. Of course, it's very like a Trolls soundtrack song. So I would like to hear what they would do outside of the confines of doing a song for a Trolls movie. But uh, of course, like a Transformers I would love a, movie, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would love a um, new music otherwise, and and. I don't know. I, I think it makes sense for them to tour. I think it'd be good also for Justin's career because whether or not you like Justin, I think it it's pretty clear that public perception of him isn't what it used to be, right? Like he's had plenty of things go on and I think uh, he's not maybe well-liked on the internet in a lot of circles. And so I think it's good for his career uh, to also do this because, yeah, we love nostalgia and I, I don't know. I'm excited. I even like JC Chazé's Meow Mix commercials. So that's where I, I was going to bring that. I, see, <laughs> I was hor- I was I was like, there's no it, may, it, may, it remind me of when I watched Salt Lake City. I was like, there's no way this is real right now. I'm like, meow, 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 meow. And I was like, JC, what's happened? But he's so, I was always been a JC guy myself. So I'm so excited if this does happen. Uh, he, I think they deserve it. And I would love a revamped digital get down to like digital now. Like digital get down kind of uh, ushered yes. in the age of sexiness on the internet. What would digital get down part two be like right now? It'd be so exciting. And a tour from them would be the best time ever. I think collectively, all the millennials that love them, you know, their early days, I think would just have the best time at an NSYNC concert. And now I'm finding that all of the artists have stepped up their game. I mean, Beyonce and Taylor Swift doing their tours and making them such huge events and also very long shows, I think has inspired a lot of these musicians to come out and maybe do uh, bigger tours. And so I think an NSYNC where, or even an NSYNC Justin Bill, that's kind of where I 
land on this conspiracy is that uh, there are dates that are booked for Justin in 2024. And so people are saying, oh, there's not going to be an NSYNC tour because Justin's going on the road and he's got a new album. I kind of feel like they could do one of these big tours where it is maybe Justin and NSYNC. And it's like a whole big tour, much like the era's tour is something where it's like we have the NSYNC era and then we have Justin and maybe at the end they come out and do the new song or something else. That's what I think is going to happen, but I could be totally wrong. And it's just me guessing. No, I think you're dead on right. Um, and uh, another thing you're dead on right about is that you're going to order this book today, The Jolliest Bunch, from gay ghosts to road trips to families to... Uh, I mean, There's a every- Halloween story in there. There's some Thanksgiving. So I know it's early in the year as of this recording's out, but I, but I am I am going to officially beg all of your listeners to get it because we got we to gotta sell the book so that I can keep doing this. That's what I'm saying. And- I like I want one of these every two years. I want to know what's in Danny's mind every Thank two you. years. And it kind of comforted me because I was like, well, where are our David Sedaris is where I'm like, oh, this is our David Sedaris. This is somebody that we are going to continually hear from him. And I want this to happen. I need this to happen. Lastly, you went on The View last time. You stayed at Dorinda's uh, uh, Bluestone Manor. Any fun promo things that you have coming up? Yeah, I'm I'm starting to do a bunch of press. So I think um, I'll I'll be on Watch What Happens Live uh, soon. And uh, yeah, I'll be at BravoCon. I'm doing all these book events and then hopefully some other uh, TV and podcasts and all sorts of stuff. But I'll post on my Instagram when as these things are happening, which is at Danny Pellegrino. But yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about a couple of things. The, I'm very, the Watch What Happens Live, I think everyone will get a kick out of hopefully when... Uh, it, we haven't recorded it yet, but yeah. It, it well, you were on with time. Katie Maloney last time, right in the heat of Scandal. So it'll be exciting to see what happens this time and who you're paired up with, because I can yes. only imagine who it could be. So I'm very excited to see. Yeah, who it'll be is. a fun. It'll be a fun. Hopefully it's someone, uh, maybe a Salt Lake housewife or something, but I'm excited. Uh, um, yeah. The Jolliest Bunch Unhinged Holiday Stories. Get it now. I'm like I said, I'm going to give four listeners a copy. I'll give you more information on that. And uh, Danny, thank you so much. You really add so much to my life, like all of our lives. And I cannot wait to see the reception of this book because I know it's going to be right. insanely good. You know, I love you. And I'm I, again, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. And just uh, I just want to say I love you. And your listeners are always so kind to me. So thank you. Thank you. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies. Batches.